Welcome back to another episode of Fight in Progress, a podcast conversation about our men and women in law enforcement and the challenges they face. With lead stress coach and founder of Under the Shield Foundation, Susan Simmons, and Arizona police officer, Ace Walker. Welcome to episode 24 of Fight in Progress. This is going to be our part two from last week's part one, uh, where we spoke to a sergeant from a department here in the Valley. It was a really good conversation about some incidents that he had been through, some lessons that he's learned, some things that we applied from critical incidents, losing officers, and uh, how we can support each other and prepare for the future. So this was a really good conversation. I was so glad that we got two parts out of it. I hope you guys enjoy. Thank you to UFIT MMA and Jiu-Jitsu for supporting this episode. Their info is in the description below. And now a message from our new sponsor, FHE Health. This is Dr. Bo Nelson. I'm the Director of Clinical Services at FHE Health in Deerfield Beach, Florida. For over 20 years, FHE Health has been providing quality substance abuse and mental health services. An important part of our work is our Shatterproof program that works with first responders. We treat police, fire, EMS, military, and corrections officers in an environment that is supportive of them. We have a staff of trained professionals who understand the issues that first responders go through. Some of our staff are former first responders. We also have an innovative neurotherapy program that actually gets to the root of the problems that are faced by our first responders. This can include PTSD, depression, anxiety, and substance abuse disorders. At FHE Health, our Shatterproof program is designed to help the people who help others. We are committed to the first responder population, and we offer hope and healing. And now, part two. Direction. Right. Yeah, it's, it, it is interesting how that happens so often, though, how it's almost like we want to take responsibility for it when there's still nothing you can do about it. But I think part of yours was the fact, too, he had a young family. That was a huge portion of it, right? Because yours... My family was, you know, I had, I had a son, but he was a teenager. Yeah, and, you know, but he I, had little ones. He had very, very young children. Was so. it was it the same for you? So when I, I kind of mentioned earlier, we, we lost that officer, right? That's the only one that I've ever experienced in, in any of this. And the the hard part wasn't his passing, right? Because it's, it's kind of like you said, it's like that's... It is glorious or not, depending on the circumstances. That's what we sign up and we know. Could right, happen. Right? Could happen. And right. I knew that he knew. And that gave me a little bit of peace with that. Right. It was his wife. That's what broke me. I was yeah. at the hospital. Oh, yeah. She went down the hall to see. And I could hear her wails from the, I don't know, probably 50 yards away. And that broke me, man. And I wasn't okay until like a month. So the funeral happened and then... We did like this uh, benefit run for the family and she was there and she saw me and she asked me if she could give me a hug to make me feel better. And she was like smiling and like kind of okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah we got another one like that too yeah. here and, on this yeah. one. And that, and that like fixed me because I was like, oh, she's moving forward. Like she's, well, she's not she can crumpled. be okay, I have to exactly. be okay. Exactly. So and like, I yeah. think that was a huge part of this story Was that too. like the same? It was. I made so many mistakes um, when, it, when it came to his, his wife. There's just... So many mistakes I made. There was a lot of projection. Um, there was a lot of um, me not accepting. That's things. the anger I'm talking about. Yeah. No, I got it you. It was a place to direct it. Correct. And not at her. Not at her. Absolutely. Because you just, can't direct any anger at her. No, just right. looking at shouldn't, right? yeah. but circumstances. Clearly yeah, not and I'm being fault. kind of cryptic here because I don't want to give away too much just to, just to keep her out of this. But I made very similar... Um, Mistakes and not mistakes, but similar similar interactions with 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 his wife. I actually, um, when I finally did get a hold of her, um, we were actually lucky enough to get flown to the hospital. Oh wow! So um, you know, I, I got to hold her hand, you know, in the mm-hmm. helicopter, and and I handed her off, and and then I didn't, I really didn't see her. Um, I saw her periodically that night, but but yeah, that the, the that's the toughest part is is he is. We'll grieve for him. We'll we'll honor him, but his portion of this, it, without sounding harsh, is over, right? Like, right. He's he's no longer with us. Now we have this living element that, yeah, should be taken care. Of, has to be taken care of. It's and, the sorrow that they leave behind that's difficult. Yeah. And the she's weight. amazingly strong. She she's she a is. she's almost a one of a kind in my book. Yeah. As is, as are his parents, I think. Yeah. And but I think that was a huge part of helping you guys 
was realizing she was going to be okay and y'all would be a y'all played a part in that we'll continue to play a part especially in the kids lives right. of sharing the stories yeah of their dad and it I, I just think it all like i said it was just i've dealt with a number of these across the country unfortunately and sometimes there's strife between the spouse and the officer's family um, that doesn't make life any easier. And this could not have been more the opposite. It was pretty unusual. We were actually, we have a very, we have a unit within my department that helps us with these types of things because we've gotten pretty good at them, unfortunately. Um, <laughs> and it was weird when they were coming to us and um, even the, the chaplain, which I wish I could say his name because it would give it away completely, but um, well, I've been here and I was going to meet him for the last three years. I think he's a figment of your imagination. Oh but gosh. anyway, I, everybody keeps saying, oh, yeah, you need to meet Chaplain. Nope, yeah, no, uh, yeah, it's going to happen. I will make exists. it happen. I apologize. I don't think definitely, he exists. <laughs> I'll call him right. I'll call him today. Um, <laughs> sure he will. We have it on tape. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I totally lost my train of thought. Now. Oh, Talking the, about the unit the, coming the, in. The unit and, and, and all of that. But um, it still comes down to us being able to interact with the family in a way that's yeah. going to help all of us. And it's, it's, she was great. She is great. She's fantastic. So yep. it's, it's unusual. Yeah. That was, I'm sure that, that helped that you guys were close with her. Cause I didn't, I didn't know the wife of this officer. I had seen her once. We didn't even say hi that one time. I, so I was far removed from that, but there were officers that they were so close to him that they knew the family, just like your story. Yeah. And they, man, they were going over and checking on her and they brought their wives over to talk with her and, and like, it, and I don't. I wasn't there. I don't know if that helped or not. I'd imagine it did. So, in, in communicating with with his wife a little bit, some of the mistakes that were made, um, and by the general public, even not just the department, but mm -hmm. other other people that she knew, um, is is her acceptance of this. Everybody's on a different time scale. It's definitely something I learned as well. Mm -hmm. There's no such thing as as replacing people, right? But moving on or moving forward is is completely different than. Than replacement. Yeah. Yes. Um, so that that whatever that period of time is for that person is appropriate. Yep. Right. So if that's three months, and as long as everybody's in a in a good place mentally with all of that, then that's okay. If it's six months, that's okay. If it's five years, that that's okay. As long as we're progressing forward mm -hmm. in the process, that's that's fine. But so she she had said to me one time that, and this was months later, um, she would have really good day. Right, she'd have a really fantastic day, and it's, it's just like every other stage of grief. It's, mm -hmm. it's you think about it less and less, and then all of a sudden it comes back and just wham, and then hits you again. But this yeah. was a good day. She was at the grocery store; things were normal. Um, somebody comes up that hasn't seen her in a couple of months, but knows about the incident. Right, brings it up, of course. Well, and and then not only like brings it up, but it's more of a, oh my gosh, are you yes. okay? Yes. How are you dealing with this? Oh my right. god! And then she she was she would communicate to us. Well, I, I'm okay. Not be okay, <laughs> right? Is it? Am I allowed to be? Should I not be? Right. Is it? How do I react to this person? That's. And I'm not talking about you. No, the hug course. with your, you yeah, know, yeah, yeah. the day after or the week after. This was right. months later where she's. People shouldn't do that. People yeah. should. People should. People say stupid things at, at yeah, the worst a, times ever. Yeah. And good intentions. It's like I shared the story one of the weeks about Mark Valenzuela, that teaches with me that. When he came back to work after his shooting, the first person he saw looked at him and said, Hey, killer. Jeez. <laughs> Good plan. Yeah. He meant well. We know the sick humor y'all use, but right. that's just not appropriate. And no. again, you know, when you approach someone who's who has a loss like that and is grieving, you don't you don't put yourself where you think they should be. You approach them from your normal place and how are you? Right. Yeah. You know? Right. And do you need anything? Right. But this, oh my God, I can't believe you're out of the house. What? It's we because it's like we're we're projecting our own discomfort with it, right? Yes. And and like because I I definitely noticed that with uh, friends of mine that aren't law enforcement, they they mentioned that this this wife, right? Uh, she has a social media, mm -hmm. and she had changed her profile picture, and like this was months later, to like just a picture of her, a, like a nice picture of her. She's smiling. And her status was changed back to single, right? Mm -hmm. it, it's I, I think that that's healthy. It's reality. I, I did right. That's why I think it's healthy. But I received like I was talking with this person 
and they were like did you see how she changed that like man that was that was kind of fast don't you think yeah and i was like everybody on easy their own like on. that is that is completely up to her right yep. whether or not it's healthy that's for her to decide right Right. Like that, if just because you're uncomfortable with, like, why are you uncomfortable with it? None of your business. Like, but I, I feel like people have an idea of how grieving should go. Right. And I think that just shows that they haven't dealt with it to know, or they it, did deal with it, and their time frame was different. Right. Or yeah, right. And yeah. they don't understand that grieving is different for everybody. And it's, different for it's everybody. individual. Right. right. So it's and that's that's good for us to mention on here because that. I, I saw there's, that. There's in, no. I told a friend not too long ago who lost her father, and I said, I wish I could tell you. Here's what you'll feel for the first five days. Right. And then on the right. sixth day, you're going to feel like this for 12 days. And then you're going to feel like that. And I said, just just tell yourself, the next year is going to suck. That, that I mean, that's the reality. you got to get through all the first. Anniversaries, birthdays, holidays, blah, mm-hmm. blah, blah. Right. And you just tell yourself it's going to suck. And as I told her, based on what I did in a very miserable year of my life in 2007... I had a good moment and I marked it in my brain because it told me I can have another good moment. It didn't matter how many good moments I had. I had to mark the first one. And once that first one was marked and I remember it as if it was yesterday, shockingly, I know that is <laughs> scorched in my brain. I can tell you where I was. I, can, I can't tell you where I was going. And I found myself singing to the radio and thinking, this is a good moment. Now, it didn't last long, but... I kept telling myself, if I can do it once, I can do it again. And that's mm-hmm. what you have to you have to tell yourself. Can't have other people do it. Right. And when you know you can do it once, you can do it again. If you don't mark that moment, it'll be gone. It'll be swallowed up by all the dark days, and you'll think you've never had a good moment. Right. You've got to mark one. That's all you have to do. But my question to you on this, too, as a sergeant is, do you encourage your guys and gals to socialize together and have their families meet each other? And well, that kind of stuff? Absolutely. And unfortunately, um, I don't know if you've experienced this recently, but it's really tough to get together. It is hard. Yeah. So that's put a big kink in my, my sergeanting plans because, mm-hmm. I mean, we couldn't have a Christmas party to get together. We couldn't find a place big enough to hold all of us. So um, they, the squad that I, I, I have is probably the best first squad I've ever could have gotten. It's, it's been amazing. They're already really tight together. Good. Which is unusual because, you know, your first spot, I don't care if you got... you got a lot of babies on, on yeah, your squad. Yeah, I mean, I, I got a very, very young squad because don't, you don't get the good squads when you're brand new, right? right. So... But, as, as some of the other new sergeants that we know are experiencing. Right, right. They third shift. That's good. That's good. I do have to work third shift tonight, but only because it's overtime. But anyways, um, yeah, so this squad, that it... it it's pretty cohesive as it is, mm-hmm. um, but definitely it, I still build that. So um, Aaron makes food and I bring it in and we make sure that she knows who I'm talking about and I encourage them to do the same thing. And, and but do then, you encourage even spouses to come in and do ride-alongs? I don't recommend with their law enforcement can't one. Can't do ride-alongs right now. That's what I'm saying. Oh, yeah. with COVID you can't? Yeah. Oh, I didn't realize that. Yeah, it's put a big damper on it. So And again, I wouldn't want them to ride in the car with their loved one because i have seen that go bad in the past yeah it should have to be with someone else because again the officer's then put in a bad position if something goes down am i right. here protecting my loved one or am i doing my job the and, way the way I've, I've gotten around that in the past is we just ride in a lieutenant's vehicle that doesn't have a cage and we put two people in the car there you go oh that's a good idea yeah but yeah definitely that that's Part of the grand plan, if depending on how long I stay, I'm off, I'm almost off probation. Well, let me give you a hint. Mm-hmm. There's stuff out here. It's called a desert. It's wide open area. It's a lot of land. There's a lot of it too. Whole lot of it that people can get out. And although if you go south of here, um, I went to a gun show a week and a half ago. COVID? What COVID? Oh, yeah, not a good show. There was mm-hmm. no social distancing. <laughs> there was no mask. And personally, I was in my heaven. I was in my Super place. Super spreaders, all of you. Uh, every one of us, and we loved every <laughs> minute of it. And, you know, there, there are ways to get creative. Yeah, we actually planned a camping trip. That fell through, unfortunately. I'm, I am going on Wednesday with a couple of guys. 
and, and their girlfriends. So good. It, it it's definitely that that needs to happen. It has to. You have to be a cohesive unit outside yes. of work, and yep. the spouses need to at least know each other because of an event like this. That, that it's going to happen. I mean, it, and it I hope you will have them exchange information. Yeah, and and again, I, I walked into a, a squad that already has that pretty well connected. Good. Um, for the most part, you know, it's it's. It was, it's unusual. Like I walked in, there's always clicks involved with yep. sure. squads. And I walked in and, and the first thing I said is like, I don't give a shit about clicks. I don't care who you want to ride with. You're not going to ever, if I ever hear about, you know, I'm not doing that because it's not like, and they all look at me like, like I'm crazy. And even, um, my boss who, you know, very well at the time. Our friend, the <laughs> Lieutenant nah. that I abs oh, huh? The uh, lieutenant, mm -hmm. yeah, that I love and adore, and I actually, and I'm not being sarcastic. I truly do. He's a Roll Tide fan. What more can I say? Yeah. How could I not love the man? But even he looked Your at me like I'm crazy, so right? Like he's, and then later on, he's like, "Hey, just so you know, this one doesn't have any of that. You're walking into a pretty good, decent. Oh, lucky you. Yeah, it, yeah. It's been, it's been really, really good. That was so. I'll, I'll second that uh, as far as like having time outside of work as a squad and building that cohesive nature. That, that squad that we had with that sergeant, it was his first day when that happened. Yeah. Those six months and that squad, we have a six month rotation. That was the most successful squad. We had tons of on-viewed arrests. We had all these uh, these stolen vehicles found. We were very productive on the road. And on top of that, every single person on his squad either went to a specialty training where they got like a special cert. That was only there were two of them that only got certified. The other five people on the squad actually made it to specialties. Me and another dude made it to SWAT. One dude made it to motors. The other guy made it to gangs. Like it was incredible. We were like setting goals and achieving left and right. It was very, very successful because right. we were working together. And that comes from having good leadership. That, well, that's for sure. And he's, that's... he's the guy that we had on here. The, the oh, sergeant. yes, we did. Yeah, he was. He's amazing. He's yeah. the best. Hey, and you should listen. If you haven't listened to that one, that podcast, you need to listen because okay. it's interesting how he talks about being a sergeant should be your brand. Like a company mm. does their brand. Yeah. He's, yeah. And his it, it's a totally real different. interesting. I've never heard a supervisor talk about it the way he did. And it's what made him such a great leader. Yeah. But you really should listen to that because I think you would have some like mindedness there, but maybe not have thought about it in the same way he talks about it. I will. Yeah, that's that's because your brand is very important, yes. and your brand follows you from sergeant to lieutenant to wherever you go. Well, even from day one as an officer, absolutely. In, in, in the academy, I've absolutely pointed guys out, and and from day one while I worked there, and, and yep. then while I was helping out with one of the classes, you're establishing your first impression oh, yeah. right now. Yep. And um, I don't know for all of you non-law enforcement that might be listening, law enforcement. Pretty much a first impression kind of group, <laughs> yes. right? Yeah, yeah. You get that one chance, yes. and if you screw that up, it's so true. You're well, see, and I just literally. beat y'all until I changed that first impression. Yeah, when, and, and we've talked about that with my beginning of this because yep. my first two years. I mean, I'm I love what I do. I'm Mister Go Getter, but I have a big mouth. And in other professions, that was that was fine. There was a little bit of. I will. No. Challenge, right. yeah. not just a big mouth, but challenge yeah. everything. Well, I've, I've been lucky enough, like with my upbringing, especially my mom, like a big thing to her was articulation. Understand how to explain yourself. Understand what words are for, how to use them, how to debate, how to argue. So I'm mildly formidable in an <laughs> argument. And the problem there is, is that it turns into an ego battle for me and for them right. when it's a supervisor, right. right? And in other in other businesses... Even harder when you know you're right and they're wrong. That's It, it is for me. <laughs> right. And, or has been. Yeah. It's been better now because really I've learned... I the, just tell them they're wrong and get over it. <laughs> I've, I've, I've learned the, the virtue in silence. But it, it that's been a tough battle for mm -hmm. me until now. But that reputation I built those first two years because um, I was basically like quiet. I was still working hard but I was quiet my third year, right? And I put in for... A particular specialty and I didn't get it and I was kind of disappointed because I was like I did the best to get this and then in talking to the lieutenant over that he was he, he perfectly straight with me which I gotta say I respected so much that he was just straightforward he was like it's it's what you it's what you brought to the table originally they're still talking about that they still think that you they're, they're worried that you're still like that right right you need to work away from that and that's going to take time and yep. I was like 
damn, dude. That's like building your brand. I was right like, it, it's been a year and I can't escape it yet. And that's that that can be frustrating, right? Until you're like, well, I mean, I bought and paid for it, mate. I gotta you gotta own it now. Uh, yeah, I gotta own it, and yeah. I gotta I gotta change that little by little, and it takes time. And you, you may not be able to change it. It literally could just be a time thing. It it really could be. Yeah, because I mean, I was. It's not usual for somebody to go 20 years and then promote. Right. Usually by then you're locked into whatever you're doing in the department or right. whatever. But um, there's one of the, there's an officer training right now um, to be to be a supervisor in training. And uh, she's going to get promoted pretty soon. She has 20 years on. And wow. she's training in, in, our, in our precinct. And the FTO sergeant um, that we have is got like 10 or 12 years on. Oh, wow. Which is not uncommon. Sure. Right? But he's training... Her's got twenty. I've got twenty. Come she's from a tactical background. The she's she's got an investigative background, and this guy was like, I, "I'm training her, but we're going to scenes and stuff, and she's telling me what to do." And I show up at the scenes, and I'm like, <laughs> "Hey, we got anybody in the back?" And he's like, "No, I didn't think about that." And I'm like, "You didn't think about like that's okay. We'll take care of it, right?" <laughs> but but you know, I would say cocky or whatever, and and uh, we were talking about it, and and afterwards in, in the precinct, and then he was like, "Well, it's it's different when." When you're saying it, when I say it, you know, because of all those hash marks you got in your arm. <laughs> He's like, well, your attitude matches. You're allowed to have that attitude because of your hash marks, right? You're, for everybody that's not yeah. listening, right? The hash marks in, in my agency, every, you get one every four years. So I've got a couple, you know, and and uh, he's like, yeah, your attitude matches those hash marks. And I'm like, listen, buddy, what you don't know is I've always had this attitude. They just had to grow into the hash marks. <laughs> yeah. Right? That's the yep. problem. I had the exact same problem. Yep. I my mouth would, would overrun my experience level. And, and I'm finding now that it's, it's the number of years is inversely proportional to what I actually know. Yeah, that's so true. <laughs> it's so true. You right? admit that, do you? Yes. I, I mean, I've learned more and more about this job in the past two years, three years, yeah. than I've ever have before. Well, so. when you stop learning, especially if you're a supervisor, you better get the hell out. Yes, I agree. Right. You're, you're done. Because, you're, you're... And that's all the way up to chief level. So if there are any chiefs out there listening, <laughs> if you don't, can't tell me you continue to learn something every day, you need to move over. And let somebody else in that seat. Yeah, stagnation is death, man. You need you need constant challenge. Yeah. If, if you're not challenging yourself and growing and learning, then it's then you're dying. Well, the world is changing. The environments are changing. We've talked about it on here before. You know, the the FBI shootout in Miami changed what kind of tools law enforcement officers had. It went from revolvers to semi-automatics. We looked at Compton. Compton changed. Officers had been begging around the country. For long guns, they weren't being given those until what? Compton happened, and you got two guys in full uh, bulletproof gear that hold off the entire LAPD SWAT. Right, while they're getting guns from the gun store. Absolutely, and pawn shops. Right. Yes. And so, you know, to me, that's the thing that law enforcement, I I wish I could say I see more change in, in my 29 years of doing this, but I don't. It's still that... We do it that way because we've always done it that way. That's a horrible, horrible way to do to do business. <clears throat> Absolutely, and and especially when it comes to mental wellness, Th- this is my complaint. Because again, I think people at the top don't let us come in and teach because they think it's an admission of weakness or issues or something. They're big on re- now that, and that is the one change I have seen in twenty nine years. They're big on the reactive end. Yes. Let's bring in the peer support. Let's bring in the mental health for these things. Why? Why we want to wait till the horse is in the ditch and been dead, and the vultures have picked the bones and distribute around the country, and they go, let's resurrect this thing. Let's be resilient, proactive, preemptive. I don't care what words you put in front of it, but something. And there are things you can do that are very beneficial. Yeah. But. The focus still, I, I had somebody call me from out of Texas wanting to put together a peer support team, almost like it was some new concept. We've been doing that. <laughs> We've had our team in Alabama 28 years. Yeah. And, you know, we're talking about Alabama, you know, and everybody thinks Alabama and the South is the last to do anything. <laughs> I am proud to say we are not. Uh, we may be in some things, but not that. But that's where I get frustrated is the top either forgets where they've been or they don't want to admit that, you know what, they're, the things y'all see and do might actually have a negative impact on you. Yeah. And, and I think a, a big, big, huge thing that I've noticed through the many trainings all over the country that I've, I've seen 
Susan speak uh, speak at is one of the first questions she's, she asks is uh, who who has been in the past six months or the past year, whatever you say, um, to a suicide prevention class, right? And you'll see... Oh, hands go hands up everywhere. Hands go up cr- like crazy. Like, oh, yep, into that. We checked that box. Yep. Right? Um, and then she's like, fantastic. Please tell me one thing they taught you to prevent suicide. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right? Like nothing. Nothing. No hands. No, there's nothing going on. And she's like... Maybe a smattering will put their hand up and they're talking about, um, I don't know. Oh, they'll say, get enough sleep. Get enough sleep, right? How do you do that? When you work thirds and have to work extra duty and blah, blah. And then they go, and I said, really? You people carry guns and we need to tell you to eat healthy and get enough sleep? Why don't we teach you how to do that? (laughs) Yeah, right. So you actually didn't learn to prevent anything. Yeah, it's a recognition. Or they'll give signs and symptoms or recognition class. It's awareness. It's awareness. It's awareness. Yeah. And I love it because I look at them and go, wow, we got to room of trained investigators in here <laughs> and it never occurred to one of you people that when you walked out of that training you didn't learn because prov- i guarantee you if it was a firearms training class and we never once talked about a gun or gave you a gun or asked you to sh- say anything about a gun you'd walk out of there and go that was no damn firearms training right right but it, and it's the, it's the like she's talking about it's the top-down mentality of well we're gonna have this class we had that class we had that class last week hey bob check yep bob, bob says we had that class last week check yep. and then they move on and and that's not that's that's one factor i think another factor is um the inability for for law enforcement across the board whatever rank to recognize that it's okay to think about suicide yeah yes like it's, well and i think that that's been they haven't really budged on that in forever that's something well, that's that recognizing that that's an okay conversation to have right. and that it's not like not for lack of me telling that's a reality right right I, i've been pondering this topic for a while and it's the the one thing that i've kind of discovered is that in law enforcement i think typically at least traditionally it's a conservative group maybe not always politically i think although that might also be true it leans that way but it, but in their actions, right, we're conservative. So we like to maintain what is because it's protected us in the past. Mm-hmm. And so, like, if you look at, like, I've told the the wall in the forest story on here before, but for your enlightenment, a, a liberal-minded person walks into a forest and finds a wall. Says, what the hell? Tear this wall down. And then the conservative walks in and goes, no, no, no. Keep the wall. The wall stays. The wall's here for a reason. And then the rational person follows these two idiots into the forest and goes, why the fuck is the wall here in the first place? <laughs> Maybe we should figure that out before we make a decision. So, and then and you kind of, cause at first, like when I first heard that story, I'm like, yeah, I'm with the conservative person. That's there for a, for a reason. And then they're like, Oh, third person rationality. And I'm like, right. Oh, okay. Fair enough. I'm an right. idiot. Right. <laughs> so yeah. it's like, it's those two sides are always doing battle with each other. The, the, the people who want to tear the walls down and open stuff up and try new things. And then the people who are like, Hey, Whoa, we're protected. We've done this for God knows how many years and it's worked. We're here. We right. still exist. Right. Stop yeah, changing the, things. But the sad part is that the, there'll be a suicide and everybody yeah. goes up in arms and well, how could this happen? And blah, blah, blah. And then three, four, five days later, we've moved on and not done and we anything. We can't talk about it. Talking you know? about it at least to more. I know. With, right? What a concept. Uh, uh, no. Well, no, it's not. And again, if we don't start <laughs> taking y'all's guns from you, <laughs> yeah. and not, you know, right. not that's you... why we kill ourselves. Absolutely, because yeah. of access to a firearm. And if you would just stop taking your guns home with you from work, like be like Canada. Uh, absolutely. Be like well, Canada. as I learned recently, in Canada, you can now carry a machete. I'd rather be shot than beheaded. So, yeah. or my arm chopped off or something. Yeah. But it's just this concept that it's something simple when it's a lot more complex the solution can be actually fairly simple given that most of it's about sleep deprivation right but it's not okay bird you need to get more sleep you're right sure. on that. <laughs> yeah. i do but now how do i do that is the better question yeah stigmas get in the way of this kind of like when you say the word suicide everybody goes yeah Ooh, and you're just like oh relax it's a thing it's a reality we can talk about it but like there that immediate reaction that gets in the way of a lot of things and when you have somebody who can make decisions who has that reaction that becomes a huge hurdle it's well, it, i love the way it shifts to if they're suicidal they're also homicidal so we need to lock them out of the building and we got to tell everybody in the department that they're not allowed here that they're locked out because yes. they might come do an active shooter in the police department seriously Find me one case of that. One. One. That's all I'm asking. Because that is not the case. But that's where they go, and they actually compound 
the person having the issues, and it's not mental illness, by isolating them, telling everybody without saying they're suicidal, um, everybody assumes that's why they're locked out of the building. Yeah. <laughs> right. And we've only right. made a bad situation worse. Whereas if people with 20 years on the job would stand up and go, I've had that thought. So what? Yeah. Big whoop. But I think I think if we're going to take a page, just kind of rolling with the same metaphor, right? Take a page from other liberal ideologies that we may or may not agree with. I know I certainly don't agree with many of them. Um, Good thing it, you said that because I was fixing to pick up the red man stick. But anyway. Oh, no, I, I definitely don't. I'm, I lean far conservative. But with a lot of these ideas that have become normalized over, say, the last just decade. Mm-hmm. I mean, think of the change in society, like the things that we think are totally normal now or we don't all think are normal but things that are like talked about regularly like on freaking television and radio and all kinds of stuff they they normalize the idea of the thing at least in conversation it becomes normalized in speech and then once it becomes normalized there it becomes more comfortable for people to touch on that subject even people who don't like it because i know as a conservative things are i have stigma about things where i'm just like ooh, that disgust factor shoots off when start talking about a thing and it's like oh no 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 that's ridiculous. Don't even talk about that. But normalize does not mean glorify. No, and I think I, I people agree. confuse the two because I've actually even had chiefs and people because I believe a lot of the suicides in law enforcement are line of duty deaths. It's the buildup of the garbage can, but we aren't going to give them a line of duty death funeral because that would glorify it. And then Bird might go, here's a good plan. Yeah, I'll kill myself and my family will get this great and wonderful funeral when in reality, that's not, they couldn't be farther from right. what's really happening. And what they're doing is, again, as we've talked about, forcing this concept of suicide to then officers planning their line of duty death. And that solves the problem all the way around. Yeah. And I mean, we've talked about how, like, people's first thought about things is often not accurate, right? Right. So, like, it's, it's or, the... Or rational. Rash, right. Yeah. Like, so, for instance, we're talking you, about... You've had a few irrational thoughts, I believe, <laughs> in your time. Us never. Yeah. And so, like, we, we talk about how when people don't... When they when there's something that's, like, forbidden, right? We don't even want to talk about it. Because mm-hmm. that'll make it go away. Right, because that, like, oh, we'll, we just won't mention it. That makes that thing bigger than life, right? Absolutely. The, the thing you want to do, like Voldemort, right? Makes he, it abnormal. He won't be named. Now, well, now he's like omnipresent, omnipowerful <laughs> because he's everywhere because he can hear you talk. Like, that's, you know, Joe Biden. Oh, no, God, he's going to appear. Don't say it three times. Like, you know, we get scared. But, like, the the reality is, is if you put a name to it and you treat it like the thing it is, right? He's, it's just a person, right? I'm, sure. I'm just going to say it. Or it's it's suicide. It's a reality. I'm just going to talk about it. You take the power that that thing has, this weird kind of magical effect that it has when you don't talk about it. You dispel that. Sure. It's it's completely gone. So we're not we're not trying to glorify suicide, or you know like when people die in the line of duty or shootings or any of that. But we talk about these things to take their power away. I'm a huge believer in this. Like this this started with me when so like I talked with my parents when I was much younger. I I did not understand racism as a kid. We didn't have that where I grew up. Right. There we had there were a, a couple of black kids in my school and I remember as a kid asking my mom. I was like, "Hey, they look different." She goes, "Yep, they sure do." Uh what of it? And I was like, "Oh, okay." And that was it. Like they're just no, oh, they have dark skin, I have light skin. Whatever. Sure. It was li- literally had nothing to do with me liking them or not. Right. Like, you know, we went and pretended to be animals out in the park like all the other kids did. It was weird. Uh, anyway, but I remember first hearing right the n-word mm-hmm. right the word that shall not be mentioned right and for the sake of people's feelings i won't say it on here because that's still a touchy subject but sure the concept i believe still carries weight which is we take this word and we give it such an amazing power mm-hmm. by by labeling it like that like ooh, we can't even say it if we were to take the power away from that word say it in jest right to to destroy the effect the negative powerful effect that that word has and just to get rid of it sure you know like anything like people like on this show so 50 years ago right there's no way i could say fuck on the radio right i can say that we all chuckle it's no big deal if right. i were to say the n-word right now everybody in the room naturally would cringe and we'd all be like we should delete that <laughs> right like we can't put that on the air We've given that word too much power, sure. right? And it's not like I believe in that word. I should not. I don't. I do not want to use that as a weapon, right? But it's we, we give things power by not naming them, by not putting them out there. We we choose to do that. 
that's the same thing with suicide. It's the same thing with all this other stuff that we, we have stigmas about. The well, sooner- but you've also, but you also have to add the factor in too. You've got that side of the, of the world that is in mental health that yeah. also makes money off of people having mental illness. Right. And again, suicide in law enforcement is not about mental illness, but there's not a big motivator to dispel that. Right. Because then it's just like with PTSD. We make it a disorder, so it's permanent, so you got to keep going back and getting treatments. And the reality is, is no, that's not always the case. And again, it's about being human. Y'all are human beings. Somewhere along the line, we've put you in this robotic state right. that we say they can deal with dead bodies, decapitations, children being assaulted, all of these things. And none of this stuff affects you because you're these robots. And then when we start to apply human factors to the robot, people get uncomfortable. Yeah. And the bottom line is, you know, it's it's just like uh, I laugh about I've got a deputy that has come to me and he went to someone in mental health and because he was having some thoughts. But honestly, when he told me the thoughts, I, I was like, yeah, OK, you and everybody else who walks through the <laughs> store. And he even asked the counselor if he could bring his wife to counseling and they've been married a lot of years. And the response of the counselor was, no, you're not ready to to have her in here with all this. He lives with her. What the hell are you talking about? Uh, the other 23 hours of that day. <laughs> Absolutely. Was spent over sure. There. Great yeah. plan. Let's leave that person out of this. But it, it's, it's such a foreign thing for so many that they're trying to make it fit in a box. Mm-hmm. That the reality is it won't fit in a box. It's something that we have to talk about, admit to. I've been there. You know, when they come in and sit on my couch, you can see them and they're like, I don't know how to tell you this. Uh, Just speak English, whatever. Just say it. And they'll go, yeah, I had my gun in my mouth last night. (laughs) Okay. You and 5,000 other people that I could name. um, Sure. Okay. What about it? Because you're here. So apparently something deterred you from it. So let's talk about what that was. And, you know, I actually had one of them tell me one time that has known me a very long time that he didn't do it because he was afraid I'd dig him up and do bad things to him. <laughs> and I said, that's a legitimate whatever concern. works. Yeah, yeah that's it, fair. If yeah. that were, you know, because I have threatened to take them and hang them up and put pink bows in their hair and we just glue them to your head, bird. But, <laughs> um, but the point is, is it, I don't care what it is that stops you. Right. As long as it stops you. Right. <laughs> that's, that is the part that tells me you're okay. Because the person who wants to do it, I can put them in a hospital for six months. They're going to come out. They'll still do it. But that's not what suicide in law enforcement's even about. It's good people feeling backed in a corner, afraid to ask for help because somebody's going to label them. So they're looking for more creative ways to end the pain. Families don't like them because they're irritable, because they're sleep deprived. And I got to make sure they're taken care of. So here's my solution. Line of duty death. And tell me a profession more prepared, more capable of you going out and and fulfilling a line of duty death. Right. Yeah. Pretty simple. Right. Sure. And mental health goes, you're irresponsible even saying that. Like, y'all are a bunch of idiots that can't figure this stuff out. I just, again, put a name to it. Mm -hmm. I just call it out and say, here's what it is. Yeah. And that's, that's something that I always valued, which is why I got in so much trouble. Is because it's like, well, just say what you think, right? <laughs> Throw it out there. And like, if I'm wrong, I'm wrong. It's it's never personal for me where it's like, you know, if I throw an idea out and, you know, whoever's in charge in that room is like, what the, and I'm, if I'm not, I don't, I have nothing invested in this. It's just, hey, I just observe this. I got a dog in this fight. It's just, right. this is what it is. I, but I, you've I, got 20 years in this. We don't even, we don't have, tw- I mean, I got 29 doing my side of the fence. But I, I mean, your thoughts on this? Are we spot on when we're talking about this? Yeah, I think so. I think it's it's even even personally like experiencing all of that stuff. If you don't have the proper tools to handle it, it it's a permanent solution to a temporary problem, right? So, sure. um, yeah, we need to talk about it more. It needs to be brought up more. It needs to be not part of the department as. Much as I do appreciate my agency and, and how they how they handle things, and we have a full time unit that does this job, um, it's still part of the part of the department. So yeah. it needs to be it needs to be separate. It needs to be handled. It needs to be talked about. We need more training on it. And I think training in general, coming from a training background, um, the two years I spent at the academy, um, 
we we bring that buzzword up a lot. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know that we just we need training and we throw we throw the big old training dart at the big old training dartboard and what it lands on is is what the new topic is or the new hot button topic or or I liken it to the whack a mole. Yes. As soon as the new problem pops up, then you hit it with a big old training hammer. Reactionary. And, and everything's everything's hunky dory and and I think that um, that that is the way that policing needs to be done from now on that's that's the one of the factors we talked about with policing that's different but don't you think the mental wellness part is something they still are hesitant yes to even we teach that same old stuff i think i think it's a lot like selling insurance they're just like "Eh, i don't know if i'm gonna need that or if that's really applicable especially because most people that are in charge of making these decisions i i doubt that they're as highly educated or intuitive in that field right well, none right. of you are that no, that's, that's I mean. the problem right. and you won't let people that are that's what i mean in. Right. and here's the here's the problem with their cost benefit analysis because just like an insurance mm-hmm. uh, way to look at this there there's a cost benefit analysis that's associated with every department and i mean we're t- they're spending taxpayer money right so that, yeah, that right. there should be sure. there should be but here's how they're they're and i'm assuming at this because i am obviously not at some extreme <laughs> level of the department but they're looking at it like, well, if we have a mental health problem, I mean, how many mental health cases do we have? Well, that's not that many. We're handling it good with what we got now. We know how many suicides or you know, suicide attempts. Well, that's not that many. And, you know, I think that's how they look at it. And what they forget, sure. what they forget about is this. They forget about the guy who's got, um, these are purely hypotheticals, right? So let's talk about a guy who's got 15 or 16 years on, mm-hmm. um, thinks he's got it all under control, ends up ruining a 20-year marriage. Yep. Right. Yep. And goes through all of this other stuff. Kids get sick. Kids get whatever. S- yeah, and then deals with all the crap from work. Yep. And then makes a bad decision because of everything else going on in his life, and he doesn't know how to deal with all of that. Makes a bad decision on the street, that now leads to a national broadcast of him yelling and screaming at people on a high risk vehicle stop after a shoplifting. Sure. Right. Sure. <laughs> you know yes. what I mean? Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. Right? So we're not we're not taking that portion of the, the, the cost right. benefit analysis because we're not we're not factoring that in and we should. If we can take that guy and make him whole again mm-hmm. by conducting some of this training and talking about this stuff, that's the factors that that's like hiring an off duty unit for your company. And I love this too, right? I've all had off duty gigs where you're making pretty good money at this off-duty place. They're hiring you for security, and then they're like, "Hey, we're not going to pay you anymore. We've we've had you for two months. We've had no problems at all. Right. So we're just going to get rid of you." And you're like, right. "Yeah, hey, dummy, <laughs> we're the reason, right? <laughs> right." Exactly. So it's the exact same thing. Sure. They're like, "Well, my gosh, we don't have any problems. We're not going to be spending money on this anymore." Then sure, problem solved. You're dumb. Yeah. Well, I, I, <laughs> well, and they don't see it. Also, low morale can be an early indicator of someone who could be contemplating suicide. Someone, you know, you've got the guys that come in, they're spit shine looking good. Then suddenly they come in and they look like they've slept in their uniform and they don't care anymore. Early warning signs. There, there's so many things, discord at home. There's so much excessive use of force right. that could all be factors that if we got on this early and supervisors knew what to look for early to then refer them to the right place. You know, again, back to Mark. It's like Mark talked about after his shooting. His supervisor came to him one day and said, man, I knew something was up with you. You know, you were racing to all hot calls. And Mark's like, why didn't you ask me about it? Well, I just figured it would work itself out. That's somebody that, honestly, Mark could have been headed down a road of possibly being suicidal. But nobody was even asking him the right, asking him anything. Just oh, it'll it'll work itself out. Yeah, yeah. it doesn't work itself out. The garbage can doesn't empty itself. Yeah, there's like there's a concept lately that I've kind of fallen in love with, which is these these three rings, right? And on the outside we have results. Second ring is actions, and then the very center, the bullseye, right, is identity. Mm-hmm. And I've been talking about a lot on social media and whatever because people are posting things about like you know motivation or whatever, trying to make changes in their life. And what we do is we see the results and we're like, okay, we didn't like that result of this particular thing. So let's change the actions. How often does that fail? Like all the time? Sure. Like, oh, I'm going to start running. Like, and you go outside and you run like for the first two days and you're like, screw running. Because you're hurt <laughs> you know? for five days and you go, I'm not right. doing that again. And so the concept is, is that we don't go deep enough to change the center, which would affect everything else. You change the identity, right? So when, when we apply that to policing, on a, if we're looking at a big scale, if we look like you've been in the in the industry for a while, there are types of guys that are more successful 
uh, more resilient and they're, they make good leaders. They like, you see, you can, you can almost pick them out of a crowd when you get into a squad room and you see people interacting, you're like, that dude's a leader in this room. He's, he's going to know what he's doing out in the field. People trust him, whatever. There's like that officer there in my short experience with the people that I know that are in law enforcement, it's almost a type. Like you can, yeah. like, uh, you know, a lot of them have like a, a military background or at least a leadership background where they learn discipline and they, they self-discipline. They're a little more quiet. They're not quick to speak like I am. Um, <laughs> and th so there's, there's, there's features about these people that make up their identity. And so the idea is, is that if we want officers to be more like these guys that are successful, productive, good leaders, they know when to pick a fight with, with their leadership or whatever. And it's productive most of the time. Mm -hmm. We need to develop ourselves as a department to produce this in our people, right? To train this into our people. Like, hey, these are the values you need to adopt. It's not just, hey, this is how you shoot a gun. This is how you talk to a victim. Or take a test and we give you some stripes. Because right. though, and, and although that has been effective to a degree, right? Because, But really, what's, what, what's the truth of it? We go to the academy, we learn those things, and then we go into FTO and they're like, forget everything you ever learned. <laughs> this is real life. Right. And they throw you into real life and you're like, I don't know what to do. Like that, like as, as an OIT, we were kind of all that way. There were a couple that were exceptions, but really like we go to our first domestic violence and I'm like, I don't know what to do. I'm sorry. Like, you know, and you're freaking out because it, it doesn't, it doesn't exactly apply because it's not a perfect science. So it's about developing. Right. It's <laughs> and a, then you have an instructor like me in the Academy who in the Academy is going, forget this. If they tell you this, don't, yeah. don't pay that a bit of it. That's ah, a bunch of garbage. Yeah. Wash that out. Right. Yep. And it's about developing a type of person who can adapt to those situations and adapt to like, learning in different ways and to being able to face adversity, whether it's on a call or in your own life and being able to overcome and bear it right. To understand the garbage can teaching these life skills that can create a type of person. Right. And that doesn't mean we're all going to be the same. It just means we, we all aim at the same goal of being capable and well-meaning and honest, like all that kind of crap. Right. And I think if we did that, if that became a training model of a department, I'd be fascinated to see how successful that would be. Cause in my mind, like, like all my other ideas, that sounds great. <laughs> well, and I think it's overused old tool in the toolbox thing, but you're absolutely right. If we can set them up for success from the, from the beginning. And I, I like your, your, um, your analogy to that, that one officer in the, in the room that you know yeah. is, um, there's a very good friend of mine who's retired now, who's, was in one of the leadership position above me, who uh, during this whole process with my friend was like, there's leaders in every rank. Doesn't matter if, if you're a police assistant or if you're the chief of police, right? Yeah. Like there's leaders in every single rank, and and I think that's that's crucial. We need to build that. I think there needs to be more yeah, of that. And, I completely and agree. I just don't understand the, the reluctance of. Well, I do understand why the department is reluctant to go outside of the department. You know, there's there's the liability aspect of it. I just think it's a. I think it's wrong. I think it's. Well, and they have to begin. Because honestly, having been a litigation paralegal for all those years prior to, to this, we're going to have to almost see the flip in the liability being not providing failure to yeah. train. Yeah. Because I believe in some circumstances, and I think your department actually had the perfect one, had I been here earlier where there was a suicide, mm -hmm. that I believe the department was terribly liable for that officer's death. Which... And it was under different leadership that, thank the good Lord's no longer there. Um, but the reality is it was failure to provide. And that's what's going to have to happen. And families are going to have to step up and start to push for that stuff. Because even in situations sometimes where there's divorce, where there's substance abuse, you know, I send people down to this place in Florida that you're actually going to hear a commercial on them today. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> and... Nice. I tell those guys that are down there for PTSD or substance abuse or both, you know, you're not on this hook alone. Your department is on this hook with you because there are things they didn't provide, they know about, should have provided, that would could have possibly prevented this. So you're not on it all by yourself. And, you know, that's that's one of the big things where the liability, I think we're going to have to see some shifts and who's going to be the first to go after their department for these things. That'll be interesting to see, Yeah, but it's the truth. 
And is it intentional on the department's part? No, but it is definitely um, irresponsible when there's somebody like me beating on your door continuously and even officers beating on your door saying, let this in. And they still don't let it in. And it's, you know, and people go, well, it's all about money. Well, that's funny because I offered it for free <laughs> for an eight-hour training and still wasn't taken up. Right. You know, they've got to start. And look, if, if and I tell them, even if you pay me, do a critique. And if they say they didn't learn new stuff, I'll give you your money back for the training fee. And nobody in 29 years has done that. It's time to start new stuff. And I'll be the first one. Somebody walk in here and go, I have a better mousetrap. Bring it on in because I want to learn what it is. Not the, well, I have the only mousetrap and none of the others are ever going to work. I want to learn from that one. And that's what law enforcement. I think fire has been more receptive to that in the past. Yeah. Um, and More their wheelhouse. And, it really is. And, uh-huh. and I've done some joint trainings with them and, and they are definitely more in tune to the mental health of their employees than, than we are. And one difference I say that for that is the fact their jobs are not as in jeopardy as a law enforcement officer's is. Nobody freaks and says, oh, well, the firefighter, he's got access to an ax, so we've got to send him home and lock him out of the building. Um, but it's more about the nature of, you know, it's just like airline pilots also. That That's another group I've worked with all the majors that's a very sensitive population when you start talking suicide and stuff. Right. And, you know, as a passenger, I'm I'm pretty fond of making sure those guys up front are in good shape, <laughs> right. too. But yeah. I had to laugh the other day because somebody reminded me of this, that there was actually somebody in mental health here in the Valley that trained some of these airline pilots to now carry guns. And one of her stress management tools was suck on lifesavers because it'll take you back to your baby days when you were less stressed and that's fantastic. And that's what I always, I'd look on the flight deck and go, you boys up here sucking on lifesavers? Because if you are, I'm out. <laughs> Get the next one. <laughs> and I just don't think police officers on shift, especially in high-risk jobs and areas, should be sucking on lifesavers to go back to their baby days. Yeah. So that no. it, that's just not very effective. <laughs> well, and they do a better job of, of even directly after a, a stressful incident. I know they take them offline. Um, yes. They take them, they'll take that house completely offline and say, go home. And that's that's not something we do. Nope. I mean, we'll go to a violent homicide and clean the scene up, and then. Well, you've been in shootings. Yeah. How long did you wind up on scene? I know one time you were out there, probably close to twelve hours, ten, uh, yeah. ten hours longer. Yeah, I mean, both of them they're separated by many years. Right. Um, one fairly recently, but um, yeah, I was out there till sun was up. So I don't know. I mean, it happened at ten or eleven at night. And yep. I didn't go home till noon. And I started that shift that day at noon. So, and that's not conducive to really a good outcome for law enforcement. But it, you're right; fire goes home. Right, and it, actually, one of my uh, one of the trainings I did with 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 you, I put up my the, the transcript of my interview with mm-hmm. uh, with the investigators, and they're going down their form of, of questions, you know, post shooting questions, and and uh, it was like, well, when what did you last eat? When did you take your last break? Um, how much sleep have you had in the past 24 hours? And uh, and I'm like, well, 24 hours from now? <laughs> right. And they're like, yeah. I'm like, not 24 hours from the incident because that would be different. That was right. my Monday and this is the first shooting. And they're like, no, no, 24 hours from now. And I went, zero. <laughs> and they went, okay. And they moved on down the next question and they just kept on going. You know, just checking the box. And then they're like, okay, please tell me about this traumatic incident where somebody tried to kill you. Hopefully you didn't screw it up. Ready? Go. <laughs> Sounds like an alcohol influence report where you're just like, yeah, how many drinks have you had? Yeah. Okay, thanks. Yeah. Did yeah. you feel drunk? Okay, good. All right. And, and I don't, I, I should qualify that with um, both instances. Uh, I was treated fairly. Um, there was no issues with the sure. investigation. I think you could just um, feel procedural. It, it did. You know? and, and that should be a problem. We should be like, oh, well, if you're answered zero to 24, to sleep in the past 24 hours, and I'm going to ask you questions about the, what you just did and taking another human's life. Not a good plan. We should probably go home, have a little rest, talk to your family, get something to eat. Right. And and that's, that's I think, where we, we fail. We're doing better now, but we failed in the past. And um, it was, it was the, um, 
this was the uh, the uh, IA portion of it, mm-hmm. right? Right. So I didn't have to be there for that either. And I think that's where, if we have reps that recognize the fact that we don't do that right now, we can do that three days from now. Absolutely. You know, if you want to do the criminal investigation portion of it, and you want to go do that, and you don't have to, right? If you want to go do that, they do that fairly quickly. Yep. Afterwards, and then stuck around. But this goes back to to healing thyself, right? Because mm-hmm. I knew all of this other information. First shooting was in two thousand four. Then this other one was in 2018, right? And <laughs> I'm still sitting there 24 hours later, like, why am I answering these questions? You know, <laughs> I feel like I've learned this lesson. Yeah. And yeah. that really and truly, I'm sitting here thinking about future podcasts. It would be really interesting to have two or three officers that have been in shootings yeah. with different agencies out here sit in here and talk about the differences. In yes. Them. Not just the event, but how how things happened afterwards and what the ramifications or the, or the positives were and stuff, because it's really interesting to see across the country, these things are handled differently everywhere. And it, right. there should really be kind of a standard oh, yeah. to it, to be honest, oh, let's yeah. not reinvent the wheel. It's pretty easy to come up with a protocol. I mean, I can't imagine it. you've talked about a department, um, kind of in the South, but, uh, where they take your gun and send you home and take your, your take your badge, your credentials, and, everything. Yeah, I, I can't. In your home, imagine. probably eleven months. Yeah, that's. And that's just pretty much across. And that that was a. You're off eleven months. Uh huh. The commander uh, actually over one of the precincts told me this in a training. He was shocked when I made the statement that departments now give you another gun on scene and. He walked up and he goes, what the hell are you talking about? And I said, yeah, it's pretty standard protocol. It wasn't, you know, 15 years ago, but it is now. And he was like, no, I'm saying we take your gun, we take your badge, we take your creds, and you're going to be sitting, and you are issued non-enforcement city ID, and you will be at home for 11 months. Now, I've had one of my guys in Alabama who was home 11 months waiting for a grand jury to hear his case. It almost sounds like incentive. Well, and, we'll give you a year off. Yeah. <laughs> well, and there's some who think that way. There are some who think that way, yeah. <laughs> But they've usually Jeez. got a lot of years on the job. Most of these are fairly new. But again, what is that officer sitting at home thinking? Man, I, I have to have screwed up somewhere, but I don't know where it was. Right. So that's what, that. like I said, I think that could be a an interesting podcast in itself. Yeah. Um, so you, sometimes these, some of these protocols, I mean, I'm every department has them that I've ever talked to, is there's these weird rules that they're like, oh, yeah, that was Commander so-and-so. He thought of this thing, <laughs> yes. and, like, it just stayed. Yes. And everybody's like, why does this exist? Because we've always done it, though. So <laughs> there was a, uh, this is on social media recently. I don't know if you guys saw it or not, but it was, uh, it was, it was a military thing, and it was um, this new commander rolls into this base, and he sees these two soldiers in full gear guarding this statue next to this bench. <laughs> and uh, he was... Like, I don't understand what this is about, right? So they're like, well, what happened? They're like, well, you have to, we have a guard that has to sit out here and, and guard this. And he's like, okay, why? And this goes back to your the wall. forest and wall, right? <laughs> mm-hmm. He's like, but but why? Well, I, when I got here, they, there was two soldiers standing out there, so I got to <laughs> yeah, I gotta do it. So the guy's like, well, I'm going to figure out what's going on, right? So he does his job. He replaces those two soldiers. He picks the phone up, and he calls the commander before that one. And he's like, I don't know, man. When I got there, there was two soldiers. <laughs> So he goes back and he finally finds a commander that was there like 10 years prior. And he gets him on the phone. He's like, hey, I know you're retired and it's been a long time, but I'm over here at this place. And there's this, these two soldiers guarding his bench in the statue. And he's like, what, is the paint still wet? Oh, yeah. I thought it was going to be kind of a joke or a discipline kind of thing. No, no. Are those two fools still sitting there? Cause... Oh, geez. Right? Yeah. That's that's exactly what it's like. There's a there, there's a story just <laughs> like that. There's a we have a family story just like that. It's I think it comes from the church, but there's a story about tradition. It's the same thing where we always got to be testing our traditions. They so the boyfriend shows up with his girlfriend at Thanksgiving, and the, all, the food's all set out. It's all beautiful, and the ham's sitting in the middle of the table, and the hams are the, the ends are cut off each end of the ham, right? And he's like, "Why are the ends cut off the ham? Where's the rest of the ham?" She's like, "I don't know. That's just how they've always cooked it." So the next year. They go, and now they're married, and he talks to grandma in the kitchen, and grandma says, well, that's just the way we've always done, like, that's how grand, that's how my mom did it. So great-grandma's sitting on the couch. He walks over to great-grandma, and he goes, great-grandma, why do you cut the ends off the ham? She goes, because my oven was small. <laughs> 
and they're like, "What the crap? Like, we need to ask questions." It would fit. That's great. We need to ask questions about yes. why things are, and and this is the hard, but part. not just in house. Let Let's get right. Uh, just like that guy was retired. That if somebody had asked him before he retired, right. we could have saved a lot of people standing there guarding this statue. Yeah. And, I, and I think the key here is there's there's a couple was one like in your story, right? Like that that anecdote. It was a it was somebody in a leadership position who's allowed to ask those questions, right? Yes. If being in my position, I've asked a lot of questions and people look at me like, dude, shut up and go back to work. <laughs> right. And it's because I asked them like a lieutenant when I'm an officer. Right. Like, hey, you, lieutenant, why are we doing this? And they're like, excuse me? Who are you? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, that's a problem. If the guy's response like that in the first place, it's a problem. But and it's because yes. they don't know what they're right. They and, don't have an answer. And, and, and right. So, of course, I doubled down because I was like, hey, it doesn't matter wh- what you are. We, we need an answer to this question. But what I didn't what I failed to understand. Right. Is what I, I didn't have like a like a reputation as Mr. Problem Solver. I was a question asker. Right. Because I'm not in a position to solve that many problems. I just ask a lot of questions to provoke the solution. <laughs> but what what I've learned is, is that there's a good way to ask. Right. You get them to ask the question. And then we, we talked about this mm-hmm. in the, you know, issues with uh, difficult leadership when you're an officer with a with a sergeant that may be difficult for you or somebody who is new to leadership or something like that or doesn't have the skill set yet. It's just how to ask those questions, how to present those things, because you're human just like they are. You might see something they don't see. But we, we have to be able to ask questions. And it's just about learning how to ask them. You don't just throw it out there like an ego fight. And be like, <laughs> hey, idiot, that's stupid. Yeah. Why are we doing that? Yeah. That's the wrong way to do it. Yes, it uh, is. Trust me, I did that in a briefing. So, <laughs> so don't do that. Don't do that. That's, that's a failure waiting to happen, even if you have a good idea. But we got to ask. I, I've made those mistakes. Um, in the past year, even. What a shocking yeah, I know, thing. I know. It really is. And it's crazy because I very similarly, I I'm, I was a question asker too, mm-hmm. which is very vocal. Um, and I always hated when a supervisor would just jump on me, and start off with the assumptions or whatever. Mm-hmm. And I I've likened it, and I've, I'm trying to adapt now. Um, I've likened it to how we handle tactical situations, how I handle tactical situations 20 years ago, where it was all, you know. Leroy Jenkins, boom, yeah. we're kicking doors down and going in and, and, and doing stupid stuff that we shouldn't be doing. Right. Um, if I had turned the wrong house. <laughs> tactically, not not that way. Not Fourth Amendment. Right. right, no, but tactically, not legally, perfectly justified. But, you know, we just don't do things that way now. And mm-hmm. and it's and I, at first, I didn't quite understand that as a new officer. I'm thinking, why are we setting up on this house? Why are we not taking this guy into custody right now? Why are we right. not forcing the issue? And then it, it finally gets enough iterations at that where... There's nothing in this job, not nothing. There's very little in this job that requires action, right? Meow. <laughs> yep. <laughs> right? Like, totally true. That's not the way it works. And leadership should work the same way. It sure. should be find the solution, but find the solution like in time and, and with the right tools. Yes. So it's not, ah, which it shouldn't, it should never be that. And right. I, I did that one time in a leadership position where I came to a guy and I jumped <laughs> his shit and I was like, why'd you do this? And then he had, a, he had an answer for me and I was like, Oh yeah, why am I yelling at you? Right, yeah. like there's right. no reason for that. So I think it's the same, the same same approach in totally in, in a general general sense. And again, general. it goes back to what I said earlier. It seems like something bad has to happen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Before we go, oh, huh, that could be because of the way we're handling. Because I remember when DEA, when they were doing wiretaps and all this stuff, and uh, somebody at one point they were sitting on a house and they were going to go in balls to the walls, and they were like, somebody goes. Why don't we wait till he leaves the house, right? Yeah, <laughs> and so, get him at the end of the road. Yeah, <laughs> when when right. he's not tactically comfortable in his house where he knows where all of his guns are and stuff. Yeah, let's get him when he's at the grocery store, right. coming out with the push his cart with all of his groceries. <laughs> yeah, and usually something like that comes from somebody with like leadership capital, right? Somebody who's made their name known, like they're credible. Right. And they're like, hey guys. Maybe we do this, and everybody goes, "Well, he thinks we should do. It. Maybe we should talk about this." Right? <laughs> you got to balance that, right? Because you got to be careful. Because you might have that guy that's yeah. that has some incestual training, which I, I think my agency does a pretty good job of not doing that. But the incestual training, so it's the we're going to use that guy. LAPD is actually notorious for this. If you've ever attended any of their their trainings or their. Uh, um, like they're they're SWAT guys. I know we can't talk bad about LAPD SWAT. Oh, go ahead. The sure SWAT we can. God will come down. Yeah, and, go ahead. Right and, and handle us. Um, but they they name it. They're not. They're they're a great agency and they're a great SWAT team. But 
they named drills and, and, and certain tactics after officers. Eek. Right? So not found, not fallen officers, but right. officers that created it. Right. Okay. So it'd be like, this is the John Smith method of hostage <laughs> oh, negotiation. Or And the problem with that is when you look at it 20 years later, because things change, <laughs> mm-hmm. and then that you look like, this John Smith method sucks. Yes. Like, this is bad tactics. <laughs> right. Right? Right. right? Oh my gosh, why are we doing that? Well, we can't change the name. John Smith will hate it. Yeah. Right. We'll right. dishonor yeah. John Smith. Exactly. Right. How it would be his name? You know what I mean? Like you can't. That's that's a problem with yep. with, with all that. So you got to be careful with that, for sure. Because that one yes. guy says it, he may not know for sure. Yep. But but I, I hear what you're saying. Yeah. Well, like the thing is, I think the the fear, right? If you think about it, going back to like the whole liberal conservative mindset thing, like the liberal mindset is like open doors, creativity, that kind of thing. Like that's great because every now and then they stumble across something amazing, like penicillin. Sure. Right. <laughs> but like nine million times. Like one time out of nine million, they get that penicillin. Yeah. All the other times are catastrophic, colorful failures. Sure. Right? Like how many people actually get famous as artists? Like none. Mm. Like statistically none. Yeah. Look at professional athletes. Yeah. So it's like the percentages are just those those creative minded people. Every now and then you get somebody brilliant. And it's the same thing with their ideas. And I realized as conservative as I am, I'm the liberal in the room at my (laughs) department. Right. I totally am. I'm like, hey, let's change that. Let's try this. Let's do. And they're just like, whoa, dude, like, no, stop. Because chances are my idea is going to fail. Just statistically, if you think about it. So it's like I get the pushback, especially from somebody like to somebody that's like me, where it's there's always an idea about everything in every room about every topic. So they're just like, yeah, yeah, we know you got a better way of doing it. You know, it's whatever. Yep. So it, at least that's the persona that I gathered. And so it, I get the mentality. But so I, I think it's, it's both sides can work on how to present and how to accept. Yes. But it, the one thing that is definitely true is that we can't just stay where we are. We, yeah. we can't just keep doing the same thing. Right. The way we've always done it has to change. That's just absolutely true. I don't care who you are. Sure. It Like, like you're talking about the John Smith method, you know. Might have worked great back then. 30 years right. ago, that was the best knowledge they had. So it was applicable. Well, now we know more crap. So things have to change. Like yeah. knowledge increases. That's just the way the world has to go. You have to move forward. Sure. Yeah. If it's not 100%, 1 million percent successful, then there's ways to adapt it and change it. And that's exactly that's that's it. Exactly right. And adapt and change is what I want the departments to start to do. Yep. So as we wrap this up here, um, I hope you'll come back. Yeah, I had fun. I'd like to have you back in here on several topics. One, we may just sit and analyze you on the couch. How's that? Oh, good God. Yeah, that'll be fun. (laughs) (laughs) I would love to get like a mock session. I wouldn't do that. To do that, I think that would be fascinating for people to see yeah, for people to see how that would work if you were to come in and like what we would go through and sure. break you down a little bit. Absolutely. Man. That'd be cool, right? Mm-hmm. I got to volunteer for that? Yeah. Oh, I just volunteered. That's, that's what I was asking. Yeah, absolutely. Yes. You I, will be volunteering I, for that. Do absolutely. I have to volunteer for sure. that? Sure. Your name's already on the calendar. Absolutely. We'll get that one marked down <laughs> soon. I'm busy that soon, day. soon. Yes. But we appreciate all of you listening here on uh, this 23rd episode. Am I right? Yep. So the episode. 23 wow and this is part two because this was a two-hour series yes so we're gonna we're gonna have a part one and part two to this um which you'll already know if you're listening to this because you've already listened to part one so congratulations you made it to the end absolutely yes and uh, we hope you'll join us again next week chris will be back in the studio next week um with some kind of mystery guest kind of sorta um, he can't thought wait. he was going to keep it from me, but then he wound up spilling his guts. But I still can't tell you what he said. I wasn't paying attention because <laughs> it doesn't really matter because it's not next week. So yeah, we'll, we'll find out together who this mystery guest is. And uh, stay safe out there. Thank you for the sacrifices you and your families make. And uh, God bless you. And we love you. Yep. We love you guys. See you next time.